I know we got a lot of people watching online. If you guys want to share this feed, one of the things we want to do as Christians is we want to get the word of God out, okay? There's a lot of people that have not heard, and how are they going to heard unless we preach? And there's something about the word of God, the seed of the word of God being spread, because it is something people don't seek for. Let's be honest for a moment. <laughs> how many people do you know currently who don't yet believe that are actually seeking God? They know that you're a Christian, that you're a believer, that they're reaching out and saying, hey, I got questions. I want to know. Do you guys know anybody that's actually actively seeking God? It's not a whole many. It's not many at all. It's kind of a bummer. This is the only thing that matters in this life. And I love God's promise because God says, when you seek for me with all your heart, what's going to happen? You will find me. But the problem is people don't seek the Lord. We're always seeking the lesser to a point we just want to ignore him. People for a season might seek something for their own happiness. But when it comes to Jesus, Christianity, truth, well, if it doesn't line up with my happiness, <laughs> then I'm done seeking. That's why we see a lot of goofiness today, even within the church. But that's really where the world is at and one of the things that we don't want to do as believers is ignore what God has declared. Amen? So I want to remind us as we jump back into 1 Corinthians, we are now in chapter 13, and it's coming around the context of the spiritual gifts. Now, if you guys recall with me, there's four things that we are told in the New Testament not to ignore, and we're really good at ignoring those things. One of those things are the gifts of the Spirit. God says don't ignore them, but look at how much the church does ignore them. God says he's not done with Israel. Don't ignore that fact. How much of the church has replaced Israel or said, oh, who cares? Don't be ignorant of Satan and his schemes. A lot of us are just going about life not understanding that we're in a very spiritual <laughs> battle. There's a battle raging around us for the souls of men and women. He's very much alive. He knows the day is coming soon, and he's trying to take down as many possible with him. We just consider, why don't people seek? 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded them. Who's the God of this age? It is Satan. Why aren't people seeking? Because they are blind. They are being, veil, or being veiled because of Satan himself. We're told not to ignore him. And the other thing we're told not to ignore is the rapture. Okay? There's so many Christians tripping so many people in the church that just feel defeated. Do you guys know that we have a very real hope? The Lord is going to return one day. I see a lot of Christians tripping out even this morning. Like, oh, I had a brother who was undone about just the governments of the world. Do you not see what's going on? Okay? This is stressing me out. Aren't you fearful of the globalization of the world that's going on? And I see that, and I'm like, amen. Because the Bible actually says that has to happen first before Jesus comes back. So I see prophecy being fulfilled. I get excited as a Christian. How many of you guys want Jesus to come back? I'm okay. I'm not pushing for the globalization agenda, but I'm letting you guys know. God said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to tell you beforehand what's going to go on. So he tells us, don't be troubled. This is going to happen. Guys, and we can't find rest in that. 
And as I see these things on the news and these things happen, you know what I say? Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need you. Things are a mess and they're not going to be good until you come back and set things right. So, again, we're not to ignore these things. And when it comes to spiritual gifts and we're not to ignore them, we want to catch the context. Because chapter 13 is right in the middle of chapter 12 and 14 that really lay out the gifts and how they're to be used. But without love, guys, it's nothing. And that's what we get to consider this morning. So what's love got to do with it? I'm so glad you guys asked because we get into this chapter. I want us to slow down, okay? I want us to smell the fragrance (laughs) of this chapter and not miss all that God has here. How many of you guys would say 1 Corinthians 13 is one of your favorite chapters in the Bible? Yeah, quite a few of us. This is where we like to hang. So I don't want, you know, so much this morning us focusing on getting informed, but really allowing the Holy Spirit to change us through his word, okay? Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. How are we changed? He says, my word is truth. You guys understand, this is God's word. So let it change us, transform us. Some of you guys are familiar with Alan Redpath. He said, I trust you will get spiritual suntan as you look into the face of our Lord Jesus Christ and absorb the glow of his love. How many of you guys have been changed by the love of God? Yeah. Isn't the love of Christ that compels us? God, you love me so much, how can I not love you back? How can I not love others when you've asked me to do that? Even if they're stinkers. Because I love you so much, I'm even going to love the stinkers, you know? So, this morning, guys, we're going to look at love's preeminence, love's ingredients, and then the next time we get into Corinthians, we're going to look at love that lasts, okay? So, the Greek word, okay, up here, you guys see the four different Greek words that are used for love. We're going to be looking at agape, or agapeo, this morning, love that seems to have been virtually a Christian invention. This type of love was something that wasn't known. It wasn't spoken about. To love like this, this is a new type of love. And this is what God is calling us into. It's a new word for a new thing. So Heavenly Father, as we look now into your word, would you please... Give us understanding. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church. We know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. And we want to be walking with you in such a way that we are able to keep this new commandment that you've given to us to love others as you have loved us. And I do want to pray if there's anyone here this morning that do not feel loved by you, that they don't know that truth, would you please open their hearts and their eyes? Let them know how much you love them. You love them so much you were willing to lay down your life. God, they may be forgiven. They may have a relationship with you. We are so grateful for who you are. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So let's consider... Love's preeminence. Let's take a look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13 together. It says, Though 
I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. I've become a, become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So the believers in Corinth, they had all these spiritual gifts, but they didn't have spiritual graces. You guys see that there is a distinction there. And this is what Paul is addressing now to these Corinthian believers. Did you guys catch here? Um, all that is tied to love. We can do all these things, but if it's not anchored, if it's not done with love, it's kind of like a pair of glasses, okay? Say one lens represents love and the other maybe represents truth or service or a gift or obedience, okay? If you popped out the lens of love, it all starts to blur, doesn't it? Okay? You might have to squint real hard you know, to, ma- to make it work f- right, and that might work for a little while, but that gets frustrating. You can't do it that long on your own. And that's the reality. For us to see things correctly, we need to understand and see things with God's love. So, love, it should be yoked with everything. Your speech is not determined by the extent of your vocabulary. Great, you know a bunch of words. You know what to say. But it really comes back to the depth of your heart, okay, by how much you love. So when love comes to a man's life, he doesn't need words. For love really is a universal language, isn't it? How many of you guys have been on a mission trip before? I've been on a few, okay? Um, I do not do well with language. I got kicked out of Spanish twice when I was growing up. Teachers were just like, we know you're trying. You are just not going to get it, okay? So I've gone to different parts of the world. I didn't speak the language. But you know what? Love is truly a universal language. Man, I know that you're loving me. You're trying to serve me. (laughs) I'm loving you. It's a beautiful thing. So love Okay, look at verse 2. So we <clears throat> need to speak with love. Um, I think of Judas Iscariot. Do, would you guys say that he maybe acquired quite a bit of knowledge about who God was? Didn't he walk with Jesus for three years, right? Okay, he was at the master's feet, but he didn't have love. He betrayed the Lord. Okay, so you can know all the right things. What good is that if you don't have love? So some have faith to move mountains, but they end up moving them right in the path of someone else. Great, you're a man or woman of faith. Do you have love? And check out verse three. Give away your goods, okay? Or offer your body to be burned. Some attempt to make atonement for their sins by almsgiving, okay? And this isn't out of love, but it's really, what is it? It's a hope of some kind of reward. That's the motivation. Well, the heathen might cut himself 
to death and pieces before God, but that isn't out of love, it's out of fear. Some court persecution, you know, they may boast, hey, I'll die for Christ! Well, (laughs) thinking only of how he might look or she might look before brothers and sisters. Look at how spiritual I am. I'm willing to be a martyr for the Lord. I'm going to be some type of hero for other Christians. Yet simply, that's just a product of what? Pride. That's not love. Okay, it's not devotion. So, results of lovelessness. Do you guys see there in verse 1? I have become nothing. Just a bunch of noise. Great. You can speak in tongues. <laughs> whoop de doo Where's the love? In verse 2, did you guys catch that? I am nothing. Verse 3, it profits me nothing. You guys understand what God is getting to. If we don't love correctly, it's, it's pointless. It's nothing. So it's saying, hey, you are not something or somebody, but you are absolutely nobody, worthless for a time and for eternity. That is what God says. Okay? I think of those who will say in that day, Matthew 7, 21, Lord, Lord, look at all the stuff we did. And what's Jesus going to say to him? Depart from me, you never knew me. Well, who's Jesus? He's God. God is love. You did not know me. You did all this stuff, but you never did it because of love and love for me. And you see that throughout the world. Every every religion is works-based. Every single one. I need to do this thing. except for one, and that's biblical Christianity. God says you can't do anything to be saved, but I have because I love you. I love the whole world that I gave all of myself, and I demonstrated that love when I hung upon that tree. Wow. There's nothing you can do except receive It's by faith we are saved, guys. It is a grace. It is a gift. And that gift is given out of love, period. And when we respond to that love, last week we got to see Lizzie and Gabe get married. It was a cool wedding. They're not here. They're on their honeymoon, I think. Good for them. But it was a cool wedding. But the one thing that I love with weddings is just the reality of the gospel, okay? There was a proposal made. (laughs) And praise God, Lizzie said yes to gay because they're a cool couple together, (laughs) right? But that's the same thing. God so loved the world, but how many people say no to his proposal? That's the problem. Man, you guys like to get off track. I just want you guys to know clearly that God loves you. Do you get that? He really does. Some people think we need to work for love. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He just loves you. That's what the Bible teaches us very clearly. 
And his love is long Oh, we're going to get to that in a minute. You guys know it's long-suffering, desiring for none to perish. Some people think God's predestined people for heaven and hell. The Bible says that, but it's according to his foreknowledge. Let's read the context around those verses. And you guys understand that God knows who will bow the knee, who will say yes to his proposal. He can't help himself. He's God. He knows those things. But what we are taught in the word of God is his desire, his will, is that none should perish. doesn't mean all will be saved. But because he is love, that's his desire. He loves us all despite us. And what an invitation. Because some people walk around thinking, well, I've done so much wrong. I've blown it too bad. I've sinned way too much. How could God love me enough to forgive me of what I've done? What you've just done is you've put the love of God in a box. Do you guys know that the love of God is so beyond any of our understanding? I believe one day when we are caught up and we're in his presence, we're going to be in awe. I mean, some of us geek out this time of year. We start watching those Christmas Hallmark cheesy love story. Let's confess our sins to one another. Okay, Dad. (laughs) Ozzy, there's a few of us. But you know what I'm saying? There's so much lesser loves in this world that we get so excited about. Guys, we're going to be so blown away when we finally understand and are able to comprehend the fullness of his love. So think about our greatest activities. Think about your greatest accomplishments exercised without love. They are empty and they are temporal. So love it or lose it. I want to take a look and you guys can jot down Revelation chapter 2 with me. In chapters 2 and 3, we see seven letters that Jesus wrote to seven churches. Sometimes we look at the epistles and we think that those are all the letters there were to the churches. No, read the Bible. There's seven more letters that Jesus wrote, okay? Um, And he told John here in Revelation 2.2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have preserved and you have patience and you have labored for my namesake and you have not become weary. Would you guys say this church is doing pretty good? These are good things. I would love if this was said about me. Love is patient. Well, they were being patient. Awesome. Good church. But what does he say? Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Whoa. Whoa. We're doing all this good stuff. We're a church. But you've left your first love. And what does he call them to do? You guys need to repent and return to your first love. That's what matters, guys. So let's consider love's ingredients together. Let's continue on in verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So this word love, okay, agape, 
has little to do with mere emotion, but it indicates love which deliberately, by an act of will, chooses its object and through thick and thin, regardless of the attractiveness of the object concerned, goes on loving continually, eternally. That's how God loves us. He loved us to the end. He saw it through. I've shared this before, but I share it again because it really did rub me the wrong way. I caught a wedding on a beach in Southern California. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. Ocean, waves, wedding ceremony. Oh, that's what I want to do someday. I didn't get married at a beach, by the way. Um, But I'm listening. I'm standing in the way back over listening. And as the minister was going through the vows, he was talking about their love for one another and how they are to love one another, okay, until their love grows cold. And that just broke my heart. I'm like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Okay, if you can be in love, I guess that means you can be out of love. I guess you can commit, you know, to love somebody now, but that love might grow cold. And if it does grow cold, then, hey, divorce is okay. You can move on and do something else. That's why I'm bald today. Like, I'm scratching my head after that so much. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Do people really think this? But without Christ, can you know true love? Can you know what agape love is? Okay? We know it because he has loved us. The love of God's been shed abroad into our hearts in such a way. And I think it's really cool. Let's look at this description here. Do you guys see the description of love in this chapter could be applicable to Jesus? Have you guys seen that here? Okay? Jesus suffers long. Put his name in there instead of love. And is kind. Would you guys say, yeah, he is. How about Jesus never fails? That fits too. You guys can do that later today. Go back through this chapter and just insert Jesus there. Why? Because Jesus is God and God is love. Of course, he is all of these things. So when we become New Testament Christians, when we are born again of the spirit of God, the love of God has been shed abroad into our hearts. Okay? That's why some of us, when we come to faith in Christ, we're just broken. We have never known such a love. We've never experienced anything like that before. Okay? So if this study is to mean anything we should be able to say by the end is love suffers long, okay? and am kind, or I, we can come to the point of saying I am kind and I suffer long and I don't envy. Why? Because we've been born again of the Spirit of God. Do we still do those things? Yeah. And when are we doing those things? When we're not yielding to God. When we choose to grieve the Spirit. I want my thing. I want to be fleshy right now. I know there's a war going on with the Spirit and the flesh and I'm saying yes to self right now, which always results in sin. And that's why we act these ways. But when you're born again, God's giving you a new heart. We can actually love appropriately. So let's look at the ingredients of love here. Did you guys see that love suffers long? Okay. Does anybody have another translation? Anybody with Bible say patient? Love is patient. A few of you guys. All right. Love is patient. This is the first quality that love displays, and I want to camp on it for a moment because it's the first one that comes up. 
The Greek word uses, that he uses here always describes patience with people, not patience with circumstances. That's something we need to catch. So it takes a long time before fuming and breaking into flames. He is slow to anger. Aren't we told that in Scripture, right? He doesn't strike back. So when you've been wrong, love is patient and silent. A lot of times we want to be heard, right? Christendom said this. He said, it is the word used of the man who is wronged and who has it easily in his power to avenge himself and who yet will not do it. Wow. I think this morning, our kids are going through the life of King David, okay? And I think last week or the week before, they had just gone through David at En Gedi. You guys remember when Saul was on hot pursuit of him, wanted to take him? Because he was anointed as king. He was a rival. <laughs> We're going to hunt David down and kill him. And David there in Gedi came across Saul, where? Sleeping in a cave. David could have taken his life, taken his rightful place. Right then as king. Okay? But he didn't. Love is patient, guys. And such patience is not a sign of weakness, but it's really a sign of strength. When I look and consider King David's life, wow, the strength there to be patient, to wait on the Lord, to love There's a story of Abraham Lincoln I'd like to share with you guys because it's been said that no man had ever treated or treated Abraham Lincoln with more contempt than that of uh, Stanton. Stanton called him a low cunning clown. Bummer. And he nicknamed him the original gorilla. So Lincoln never responded to that. When it came time to pick a war minister, he picked Stanton because he was the best for the job and he treated him with every courtesy. Years later, when the assassin's bullet murdered Lincoln in the theater, in the little room, the body was taken and there stood uh, Staten looking down on Lincoln's silent face and he said through tears, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Wow. You guys see how patiently loving people can do so much and can actually impact and change others. It conquered to the end. You guys know that love is kind? The love of God is not only patient but is kind. Origen defined this as love is sweet to all. I like that. How many of you guys like loving people who are lovable? Oh, you're so easy to love. A little harder to love those that we don't really love (laughs) or are unlovable. But kindness is kind to who? To all. Jesus showed this great kindness to Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Did Jesus know he was going to be betrayed by him? Oh, yeah. And yet he was kind to Judas So many of us would have sided with the rulers and not with Jesus if we had to deal with the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. She had broken the law. 
that's what she deserves. There should be consequences. She should be judged. How dare she? So do you show kindness to the children of God? You guys can jot down John 13. This is verse 34 and 35 up there. But in verse 35 it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You guys know that I've gotten to fight with more Christians in my lifetime than non-believers? You guys know how much infighting there is within the church? Oh, it's pretty gross. It is. Too much of it going on. And that shouldn't even be named among us. Why? Because we're called to walk differently than the world. We are called to love differently than the world. We've been born again in the spirit of God. And we can bear much fruit for the glory of God. And how do we do that? By loving each other, especially those of the household of faith. And Jesus says in verse 34, I give you a new commandment. A new one? Whew. What is it? <laughs> you need to love one another. And you're going to do it as I have loved you. Oh. That's kind of radically different than anyone else has ever loved me. <laughs> or I've ever seen anybody love another person, and that's how you want me to love? Yeah. You love each other that way, saint. That's what we're called to do. And in doing so, what will happen? The, world are, the world's going to know that he's alive. The world's going to know that we are his disciples. But you, don't you know what they did wrong? Don't you know what they said? Didn't you hear the slandering? Love, that's what we're called to do. Maybe you've been the wronged party. Maybe you're the one doing the wronging. <laughs> Repent and love, even if they're wrong, even if you're completely right. You lay down your rights and you love. That's what the world's not going to understand. That's not what they're going to get the world sees is you Christians all you do is fight with each other where's the love that's our witness but when they see us hey <laughs> do you really get together with other pastors that you're not the same denomination you guys actually get together pray for each other love each other you're doing life together you guys even do ministry stuff together yeah they are disciples of Jesus Christ. They are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are going to love each other because that's what God has asked us to do. I don't know about you guys. Don't you want to have a sweet witness before the world? You guys know that we've had people leave this church because I'm not a Democrat. I'm going to get real with you guys. They left the church. You guys know that we've had more people leave the church because I'm not a Republican. It's true. I might vote one way. Where's the love? We need to love each other. 
You might think a little differently than me. We might not agree on the same things. But you are a brother, you are a sister, and I love you. And I'm going to be for you. You guys know that love covers a multitude of sin? We need to be kind with all. Again, it's easy to love those who are lovable. It's easy to love those who agree with us. We are called to love. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter who you vote for. It doesn't even matter if you're wrong about some things. Because what is love going to do? Love is going to move towards. I don't know about you guys, but I think that's a good thing. We're called to let iron sharpen iron. How can that ever happen if, oh, you're wrong, I'm done with you. (laughs) We're never going to talk. How can iron ever get sharpened? We need to be loving each other, moving towards each other. And with God's love, guys, we can do John 13. We can be a witness to the world. Because the world's looking and they're wanting to make everything about this. Are you left? Are you right? Are you a part of this group? Do you do that? Are you raising your children this way? Are you good with culture saying this and doing that and yelling this? Maybe not. I don't have to affirm everything in life. I still can stand in truth, but what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to stand with that truth in love. You guys understand that's what we're called to. There's a higher standard for us. And that is following Jesus, guys. And when the second we stop following Jesus and what he's told us to do, things are going to get ugly. Our flesh is going to get in the way and we're going to stop loving people. So love keeps moving towards people. And I'm saying this because all of us, I would say all of us have been hurt. There's been some wrong. Maybe we've done the wrong in. <laughs> I would encourage you, keep moving towards. That's what God's asked us to do. So let's move on to the next one. Love does not envy. Well, what does that mean? To be jealous, okay? To boil with envy. Where there is no love, there will inevitably be envy, Do you guys know that envy was the first seed of murder that we have in world history? Think about it with me for a second, guys. It's been the seed of murder ever since. Envy is kind of like a two-sided coin. On one side, envy is coveting the possessions of others. And then on the other side, it's even worse because it resents the very fact that others have what you don't have, and it doesn't necessarily want them for themselves. It just wishes they had not gotten them. That's envy. And envy is very gross. So are you eaten up by envy? Are you jealous of others' gifts, their opportunities, their abilities, their possessions, maybe a position that they have in life? Love does not parade itself. Love does not brag, love does not boast, right? Love makes no parade, okay? The Lord, Jesus never showed off. Have you guys found that in scripture? 
I only know one man who's ever been completely right all the time, and that was Jesus. (laughs) And he never paraded it. You see, true love will always be far more impressed with its own unworthiness than its own merit. The real lover cannot ever get over the wonder that he is loved. Does that ever blow your minds that God loves you? (laughs) I know me. (laughs) And I can see this in two ways for me personally, one with the Lord and then one with Sonny. Okay? The Lord, it comes back to that, why do you love me? Because I know me. Like, (laughs) how could you love me? And then with Sonny, it's so cool, guys. On our first date, it was an unplanned date. We didn't, I didn't ask her to go out. It just kind of happened. I couldn't believe that she wanted to go out with me and actually was wanting to get married. That was our first date, okay? Because she was cool. She was smart. She was this hippie, loving Jesus person. And there's me, the wannabe. <laughs> so it's one of those things when I get frustrated, I recall like, wow, <laughs> she loves me. What a blessing to have a wife that loves me. And that is a cool hippie Jesus freak. <laughs> and then the Lord, man, he is so other. He is holy, holy, holy. And then there's me, sinful me. <laughs> and he loves me. You know, when we walk in reality and truths, guys, it brings clarity. You see, when we get frustrated, Truth will remind us and set us free. But my love needs to be kept humble. Do you guys understand that? Okay, God gives grace to the humble. Well, it's so hard to love those people. Humble yourself. It's really not about your rights. It's about his glory. (laughs) And he's glorified when we love. And that takes a little bit of humility. So how about you? Are you boasting? Are you conceited? Are you proud? Repent. Love's not puffed up is the next one we see. Love is never arrogant, but always humble. It's not inflated with its own importance. William Carey, phenomenal missionary. A lot of you guys have heard of him. Once a cobbler, he became one of the greatest missionaries that we know of to date. Okay? He, I, I think linguistically speaking, he translated more of the scriptures into more languages than anyone else I can think of. 34 different Indian languages. He interpreted you know, a part of the Bible, at least, to get it out to people. So when he came to India, he was treated with dislike and contempt. And there was a dinner party. There was a snob trying to in, uh, intimidate him. And he said, hey, I suppose you once worked as a shoemaker. No, my lordship, answered Carrie, not a shoemaker, only a cobbler. He didn't even claim to make shoes, just to mend them, guys. Love's not puffed up. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to be right. And how cool, how cool is that? I think it's cool when people just love and they don't care. Just like, that's rad. I want to be like you. <laughs> Nothing phases you. You are getting bent. You don't get frustrated. I like to get frustrated. I like to complain. I like to murmur. And I know that's not right. And what are you doing? 
choosing to follow Jesus and just love, that's cool. Love does not behave rudely. Verse 5, love is not ill-mannered, but it's always courteous. Love is tactful and does nothing that would raise a blush. So there should be a graciousness in Christian love which never forgets that courtesy and tact and politeness, they are attractive things. So who do you have problems being rude to? We've got to be intentional. We don't just want to hear God's word. We want to do God's word. And if he's asked us to love, not to be rude, who are we being rude to? Maybe it's your spouse, your wife, your husband. Maybe it's been one of your kids. Maybe a grandkid. Maybe your employer or an employee. Maybe a teacher. I don't know. And if you don't know, ask the Lord. Who am I not loving rightly? Who am I being rude to? Love does not seek its own. Love does not insist upon its rights, but finds its joy in serving others. How many of you guys have found joy in serving others? Raise your hands. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus didn't say that just to get us to do things and that things would get done. Do you guys know that his ways are just right and good and higher than ours and wiser than ours? Do you know as his kids, he wants us to have joy? And there is joy in loving others. There is joy to be found in serving others. I counsel a lot of people. There's a handful of people that are really struggling feeling defeated, feeling down. I always encourage people, serve. Serve others. Because it's easy to get our eyes on ourselves. Oh, I'm not doing well. I've been discouraged. I feel defeated. I'm going through this, and I'm facing that. In our attitudes, we can choose some pretty stinky ones sometimes. What I've learned in life, circumstances kind of are what they are. We can't always change those, okay? But how we react to those situations, are we going to do it biblical? Are we going to love? Are we going to serve others? So, do we seek our own advancements, our own interests at the expense of others? Oh, if men would think less of their rights and more of their duties how differently the world would look, guys. We are a divided people. It's because I'm right and you're all wrong. Love's not provoked. Love never flies into a temper. Love is not irritable or touchy. Christian love is never exasperated people. Often it is excused as something that people cannot help but demonstrates a lack of love. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Amen? All right, you're reading the same thing I'm reading. Good. So when we lose our tempers, we lose everything, guys. 
Master your temper, and you can pretty much master anything in life. Jesus never, you know, <laughs> never was, you know, vindictive or did not retaliate, okay? So are you temperamental, personally, thin-skinned, easily offended, quick to be resentful? Love thinks no evil. Love always keeps a list of, you know, <laughs> the kind things done to it, but never a record of wrongs it has suffered. So it does not cherish in its memory of a list of injustices. Love has an amazing power to forget. Can I say that again? Love has a way of forgetting. Jesus came to blot out our sin and remember our sin no more forever. That's one scripture I really have a hard time with. God, you are all-knowing and you've forgotten all my sin. How is that possible, God? Your word says it. I would say it's because God is love. And this is what love does. It is said of President Lincoln that he never forgot a kindness, but he had no room in his mind to memory or for the memory of a wrong. So how about you? One of the great arts in life is to learn what to forget. In Polynesia, there's some natives there uh, that take a lot of time, much time in fighting and feasting, okay? They have a custom to keep some reminders of their hatred. They suspend these different articles from their roofs and their huts to keep alive the memory of their wrongs until it is impossible, uh, so that it's impossible to forget them. So if I came over to your house, what would I see hanging from your roof? What's there? What's that? Cobwebs. Cobwebs. <laughs> Christian love learns how to forget, guys. Um, have you guys ever noticed that sometimes we get angry and remain bitter with people who actually forget why they're upset in the first place? Any of you guys guilty of that? Yeah. Take, for example, the notorious, the notorious Hatfield-McCoy feud. You guys, how many of you guys are familiar with that? Right? Catch this. It hit the newspapers back in the 1880s when the Hatfield clan feuded against the McCoy clan from across the border there in Kentucky. Historians disagree on the cause of the feud, which captured the imagination of the nation during this 10-year run. Some cite the Civil War tensions. McCoy sympathized with the Union, the Hatfields with the Confederacy. Others say that it began when the McCoys blamed the Hatfields for stealing some hogs. As many as 100 men, women, and children died. And then in May of 1976, almost 100 years later, Jim McCoy and Willis Hatfield, the last two survivors of the original families, they shook hands at a public ceremony dedicating a moment to six of the victims. And then... In 84, at the age of 99, uh, McCoy died, and he bore no grudges and had his burial handled by the Hatfield Funeral Home in Tuller, Kentucky. It's just crazy. We're willing to kill people and feud with each other and fight, and we don't even know why. Wow. 
All right, verse 6, guys. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. So it seems easier to weep with those who weep than to rejoice with those who rejoice. How many guys would say that's true? Man, I'm sorry you're having to go through that. That is hard. I will weep with you. I will pray for you. But rejoicing with others, oh, I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't like that you get to rejoice because I'm bumming right now. That's selfish. That ain't love. You see, if Jesus, in the, the interview with the woman that was taken in adultery, you know, he did not condone her sin, but he protected and forgave her. I love that account. All right, we're only going through verse 7 this morning, guys. So we're wrapping this up here. Love bears all things. Are you guys underlining all this stuff as we're going through this chapter? Okay, entire chapter should be highlighted by the time we're done here. So to bear up as to support a roof. Love gets under the load of life and bears the limit. So love suffers wrong without retaliation. Love can bear an insult, any injury, any disappointment. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? You love. Love as I have loved you. That's how we do it, guys. And love believes all things. So love takes God at his word. Love always believes the best about other people. Love does, or love that or not that love is easily deceived or that love is blind. It means love is not basically suspicious. So it takes the kindness view of others in every circumstances as long as it possibly can. And love hopes all things. Love doesn't despair of anybody. Love never ceases to hope. So how sad the dad who tells a son or a daughter, you're hopeless, You're never going to amount to anything. That shatters their hope. That is not loving. It's not true. Love endures all things. And this is the last one we'll look at. Love never gives in, right? Such love took Jesus to Calvary. The ability to love can only come from love's source. So, Recall afresh the great love of God that he has shown through his son, Jesus. Don't try to produce these qualities by self-improvement, but it really is submission to the Holy Spirit. That is what this is talking about. Do we yield and say, yeah, Lord, I'll do it your way because I need your help. I can't do it on my own. Love He's a fruit of the Spirit. We can't do it ourselves, guys. Romans 5.5 says the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So yield yourself to him. And the sneak preview for next time we're in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. And aren't you guys glad? Aren't you guys glad you didn't have to wake up this morning and think, oh, Jesus, do you still love me today? 
And that should be the farthest thing from our minds is the children of God. Our heavenly father loves us. He loves us so much, guys. Love never fails. Love will stand. Love will never let you down. Love survives everything. It is invincible love. It is a love that will never go extinct. So, Father, we are so thankful. We are thankful for your word, which is truth. We are thankful that it speaks of you and reveals to us what you are like. God, and we, as your children, have called to be like you. Lord, to follow your lead and your example. And you've given us of your Holy Spirit, and all we can do is yield and say yes and agree with what you have declared. I know each and every one of us falls short of loving with this type of agape love, but we also know and we testify and confess to the reality that this love is possible. You demonstrate it. You did it. And you live within us today. God, help us to walk in step with your spirit that we would bear much fruit. Lord, that we would be so, so set apart from this world. God, that the way we love would be just a radical testimony to this world. Father, would to be the praise of your glory and honor because you deserve it. God, and it's going to be your love that compels us. And my prayer for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here is that you would help us, Lord, to see, God, to have a greater understanding and grasp of your love for us because we are so changed by that truth. God, so help us to see, help us to experience and to know you, God. Sometimes we try so hard as Christians to do what is right. Father, just help us to enjoy you, Jesus, to fellowship with you, and we know that this will just be a very natural outflow. God, you've been sanctifying us, and we're thankful. And would you please, in your grace and your mercy, continue to transform us, to change us, to be more like you, to love one another as you have loved us. That is our prayer, Father. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Cool. Well, you guys are loved. Next week, we're going to be looking at thankfulness. I think in 15 years, we've done one study on a Thanksgiving theme. And next year, we're going to exhaust some really cool scriptures on being thankful. So we look forward to that. Thanks for coming out today, guys. You have a great week in Jesus.